Hey, welcome to the River Valley Podcast and a special welcome to all of our new listeners as we announced it this weekend that this is a thing. Logan, yeah. Logan, this is a thing, the River Valley Podcast. I was at City and I was wearing the exact same shirt that I was wearing in the picture on the screen. So I joked when I went up there to like they receive took the, the offering that day. Like or, I only own one shirt. Yeah, just got a limited. It's <laughs> it's minimalistic. It's it's in these days. It's nice. Well, welcome, welcome. Uh, today's gonna be great, and hopefully you're enjoying your drive to work or your evening after your kids are sleeping or whenever you're listening to this podcast. Thrilled that we can come every single week and be able to digest a little bit more uh, what God's doing in our church over the weekends, what's happening in our world to pray over needs, to hear new music from River Valley Worship, River Valley Ages. And if you don't know who I am, my name is Kirk Graham, serve as one of the pastors here uh, and have the privilege of overseeing our our campus staff, campus teams and ministries. And Pastor Logan right here, uh, what do you do at the church? I oversee Influence, which is all of our external ministry that's not global missions. And so a lot of our conference, our book publishing, back end of music publishing, kind of all the things that touch different parts of our church's mission that is beyond just building our local church and supporting our missionaries. Yeah, it's awesome. What you do is great and uh, love what we get to do. I, I We're going to get right into questions in just a second because there have been a flood of questions from our congregation. I think that that's, that, you know, digesting the weekend message a little bit further and questions Q and A from the from the congregation. I think that that's what this podcast is all about. Um, and so, really excited to get to that. Just want to be able to share just stuff that's been happening quickly uh, in the life of our church. We're a multi site church. We've got campuses across the Twin Cities. Um, we've got a network of churches ar- around the country as well. But we to to do multi site the way we do. We have a central facility, what we call Central Ministry Center, and we actually just last week sold that and moved out of our central building. And so, for the next few months before we move into a new central building, uh, which is, if you know the Twin Cities area, the new central building is also in Burnsville, where the old central was. And we're we're on kind of an interim solution, office solution for our central staff. Part of our team is at our Apple Valley campus, and part of our team is at our Shakopee campus. And I just, I was thinking this this week as I was moving into office space at Apple Valley campus. When I was first hired at the church 12 and a half years ago, I was ushered to my very first office at Apple Valley, and it is the exact same office I was ushered to last week. Welcome back. Welcome back. I just, I had this crazy thought and overwhelming gratitude to the Lord that 12 and a half years later, I'm walking through the same doorframe. Like I'm walking into the same room. And what's wild is it's got the same kind of turquoise carpet. <laughs> it's like, it is the same office. And I just had this thought, I'm still 12 and a half years later doing the same thing. I'm not doing the same thing, but when I say that, I'm I'm saying yes to the Lord and saying yes to whatever I'm asked to do. Twelve and a half, I mean, I I started and I was thrilled to be at River Valley Church. Twelve years later, I'm thrilled to be at River Valley Church. And there's an old saying uh, that a lot of people will overestimate what God will do in a short amount of time. 
but we underestimate what God will do in a long amount of time. And I'm not saying 12 years is the longest amount of time. I hope I hope I get to serve another 12 years. As long as the Lord has me here, I'm willing to say yes. But there's people listening right now, part of our congregation, you're doing the same thing, if you will. Uh, you've been at the same job or you've been raising hopefully the same children. Uh, you've been in the same marriage. You've been serving uh, on the same serve team. You've been leading in the area of small groups. You've been doing something faithfully for for years and years and years. And sometimes it can feel like, you know, is anything happening? But when you look over the years that all God has done and you just reflect. I, I reflect on the last 12 years. Uh, I, I was not married, did not have kids. I did not have a lot of experience. I was My skill set was really within the worship world. Now the Lord has broadened my skill uh, and experience. Uh, n- now, you know, building a family here, having, having been able to... When I walked into that office, I had only been out of the country one time. And now it's a, a dozen times later. Being a part of River Valley, I've, I've been all around the world participating in global teams. All that God has done has been incredible. I want to encourage you in your faithfulness. If you're doing the same thing, do not get discouraged. If you're at the beginning of something, don't don't overestimate what God will do in a short amount of time and do not underestimate what he can do in three years and five years and 10 years and 20 years. God is amazing. So keep keep trucking, walking through the same door frame. Praise That's God. good. We'd love to get to questions and highlight different things that people are asking. And these are the best questions. Like no yeah. question is a dumb question. Please, on Instagram, on email, on h- however you can, uh, post a question. We want to be able to answer this. Uh, and and later at the end of the podcast, we're going to do some prayer requests as well. Logan, you got these questions. Well, you, you got a question uh, actually when you were at Maple Grove. Stephanie Krieg. Yeah. Uh, th- this was a question related to the message uh, from Dick Brogdon this weekend, which just pause. Dick so Brogdon good. was amazing. And there was a little surgery happening at church across our campuses. I mean, it it was a little bit quiet in at least where I was at. I was at Apple Valley on Saturday, Maple Grove on Sunday, a little bit quiet, but I am proud to be a part of a church so that good. brings the word of God in a challenging way. I I've heard Dick speak quite a bit and I thought it was as good as he's ever done. Not that, I mean, every time he talks, but just the way it was resonating with our church. And I mean, he, he, when you introduced him, he didn't acknowledge that introduction at all. Oh no, He just, you can be seated and jump right in. Maybe we've got it all wrong and just jumped in. So I love that, that, that he was, he, I mean, when you preach the gospel, you don't need an introduction. You don't need a funny story. You don't need anything. So that, that was great. I asked him before service what, what nobody knows about. Like I said, hey, I've got the privilege to introduce you. Is there anything I, I shouldn't say? You know, because we want to be sensitive, different, you know, missionaries that are serving different parts of the world. He goes, nope, you can say anything you want to say. And I just, I, I mean, there's a boldness and uh, just uh, a fearlessness to that. Uh, and just a conviction, like I, I think there's wisdom in not sharing certain information and for different people, but he just, he doesn't care. He's like, nope, you can share whatever you want. He said, just be short and sweet. So I don't know if I did that, <laughs> but I introduced them and then 20 seconds of silence. And then he says, what if we have it all wrong? So good. And the following sentence is, what if we weren't, what if we aren't supposed to live our best life? on this side of eternity. And it's like, buckle up from there. So it's crazy. Anyway, Stephanie Krieg at Maple Grove, after service, she asked this question saying, is Judas in heaven? 
Dick talked about uh, Jesus dipping the bread in the cup and and with Judas and saying, the one that dips the, the bread in the cup with me, uh, that's the one that's going to betray me. But it was this symbolism of Jesus offering this love and this forgiveness and all that. So, I mean, what a great question, Logan. Do you know the answer? Well, none of us fully know the answer, right? We're not the judge, but I, I would say that most people would would agree that he's not. Um, yeah. There's there's several instances in Scripture that point to that um, of him being unrepentant, and I think there's a difference between being remorseful or, and being yeah. repentant. Obviously, he was remorseful of sorrowful. The, yeah, yeah, sorrowful. He was he was sad. He obviously he hung himself. Um, but there's other references that Jesus makes about him that point to this idea that he, he's not the shining example of of salvation. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, it leads to a deeper question, which we don't need to do right now. Is you know, if you commit suicide, uh, is that redeemable? Is that savable? Um, which it, to to quickly answer that question, I do believe there that there is forgiveness and there can be grace even in that act. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. At the same time, Jesus told Judas, "It would have been better if you weren't born." And that that makes me think, you know, I don't know if there's anything, uh, you know, to to have that statement be said could point to the fact that hell is what was the eternal destination. And and that's really tough. I, I would say to this question, I do not know the answer. Um, and to know the answer, I would have to be God. I, I do think we find a lot of our answers in the word of God. And based on what I see in regards to Judas, it would point more towards hell uh, than redemption and salvation. Yeah. And, and you can hear it even in our conversation. We, we don't ever like to speak on behalf of what all the theologians in the world, right, when answering questions. But in the same way, I think you can read the Bible in a way that you can answer some of these questions with confidence, but not 100% concrete certainty, right, yeah. about the suicide question. There's people that, that disagree on that, and, yep. but they disagree humbly and uh, in a way that's that's looking at Scripture. And I think whenever we're trying to answer these questions, it shouldn't be based on a feeling of what God's grace is, yep. but based upon the evidence that we see through his word. And so, I mean, there's multiple questions about that. Um, another question that is really related to this, uh, Elijah uh, Beloved.0 asked, many people believe you can't lose your salvation, uh, but how does Matthew 12, 31 through 32 fit into this, which if you don't know what that is, there's in the synoptic gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are- they, John's got his own thing going on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kinda, <laughs> totally like different. Little, yeah. Um, but in those gospels, it's referenced the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And so there's, again, the, the question, Elijah, that you ask really is asking three questions is, can everyone be saved? What is salvation? Is it, is it just the words you say, or, you know, what, what does that really mean? And then does blasphemy cause you to lose salvation? And those are some of the three most yeah. highly talked about among not just Two, two pastors, you know, sitting at the table on the River Valley podcast, but theologians have, I mean, denominations are, are split because of some of those questions. So, you know, our view uh, obviously is is based on the denomination where we're credentialed through what we believe. Yeah. Um, but but I think that there's a couple important distinctions there. I don't know if you want to jump in on, can, can you lose your salvation? Yeah. 
Yeah, another term for it is apostasy. Can you can you give your life to the Lord, genuinely fall in love with Him? Holy Spirit enter, enters your life, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You are forgiven of your sin, past, present, future. Okay, future, that, that kind of refers to, I, does that mean I can't lose my salvation? We do believe in potential apostasy, that you can uh, disobey the Holy Spirit to the point where the Lord says, okay, you, you've made a new choice and I'm choosing to now leave you because you have time and time again habitually gone back to the same sin that I've tried to correct you. You are now, you are now the Lord of your life. I am not clearly based on your repeated habitual uh, sin and decision to go against the voice of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, yeah, there is a there is uh, we would believe that there is a, you could lose your salvation in that. Uh, that being said, when it comes to blaspheming the Holy Spirit, the scripture that that Elijah is referencing. Uh, this is kind of a, a cheap answer, but I think it's a good answer. There are there are genuine people that are genuinely in love with the Lord. They go, I read this verse and I'm scared out of my mind. I love the Lord, but how do I know that I haven't already done that? Like I I I stole a candy bar, or I said the Lord's name in vain, or I I you know, and I I, I feel horrible. Like what if, what if I'm living all, all this and I've already blasphemed the Holy Spirit? And, uh, the, the cheap answer is if you are concerned that you may have done that out of your love for the Lord and your hope of, I would never want to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, then I think you're safe. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's unlikely, you know, I'm sure there's a circumstance. I mean, there, there are some that believe that it's an impossible sin to even achieve. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, it's an important distinction to know those things. I mean, to put language on what we're talking about, what you just described is like the Arminian point of view. There's Calvinism. Again, that's not what we're we're diving into in this short time. Yeah, we're definitely not solving it. Today. Yeah, yeah. We're not, they've been arguing it for hundreds of years since, since Calvin. But um, I think the potentially they're saying the same thing. And again, I think there's there are distinctions. But the truth is that we believe that the sinner on the cross, right, yeah. who... Jesus says, you'll be with me in paradise at the very end of his life, that he receives this eternal reward, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. But then also, it's it's the parable of the the farmers in the field and they go out and some are work all day yep. and they get the same, you know, they get the same uh, payment. Yep. But some come in at the very end, it was just the smallest amount of work and yep. then they get in and Jesus shares this parable. And so I think that those are things for us as evangelicals, as Arminius, to say we believe that you know all can all can come into yeah, relationship oh yeah. with God, but I do think that whether you believe one side or the other, I think that the fruit of that, the evidence of your salvation, yeah. is following after Christ, is asking questions like yeah. that, is serving Him both with works. James says you can't. It's not about works. Faith, yeah, faith yeah. without works is dead, though. Yeah, but what yeah. does true faith look like? So I think that's maybe you know in our view. The, the important question to ask yourself is what does my salvation look like? Does yep. it look like the way Paul describes a believer yep. or does it look more like what the world would describe and all I'm doing is professing it verbally yep. but not actually believing it myself? Yeah, we do believe that you can lose your salvation. So we believe in the seriousness of that. But but hear me, we believe in the assurance of salvation, when you give your life to the Lord, you can be assured that you are saved. You have been forgiven of your sin, past, present, and future. 
And unless you are the rare person that says, yes, I made this decision when I was six or 12 or 18 or 30, I gave my life to the Lord, but I'm putting myself back in the driver's seat. Get out of here, Holy Spirit. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to uh, do whatever I want. I'm going to live in whatever habitual sin. Um, if, if that's not you, you can be assured that that even in your sin, because we will all still, we're in the process of sanctification and being perfected, we'll achieve it in heaven by his grace. Um, even in our sin, Christ died for us and forgave us. You can be assured uh, the love of God and the salvation of God is not based on, oh, oh, you went three days not sinning, good for you, now your salvation is re-earned. You don't got to live in that type of torment or worry. You can be assured today that when you gave your life to the Lord and you genuinely in your heart say, you're the Lord of my life, lead me. Even even what Thomas said, help me in my unbelief. Help, help, like there's a faith in that. Um, you can be assured of your salvation. No need to live in fear. Yeah, and and there's so much we can talk about on that, but it, maybe we'll leave it for another another podcast to get into because I have so many thoughts. But I'm like, I want to get I want to get to more questions. Mike asks, Mike Gellar asks, how long until Christian churches in the U.S. are declared illegal, and what is being done to prepare? I think it's a question a lot of people are feeling right now. Is man, there's a lot of people that are against us. Yeah, I, I definitely don't know the answer to the question in regards to <laughs> what year? when yeah when is this going to happen? Is it going to happen? Uh, there's a trajectory. There's a reason. Uh, there's a reason our vision is is take ground. There's a reason Pastor Rob has uh, chosen to teach uh, on the weekends this culture wars message of what's happening in, in culture and how does the church respond. There's a reason he's preaching a message about protect the children. Um, and it's because our country's on a trajectory of, and, and there's, there's been multiple cases of discrimination against the church, you know, and there's certain, there's certain things that we face as a church that certain headwinds that weren't always there uh, even five years ago. And so there's new headwinds today for the church. My my response to the question is that may or may not happen. You think of like tax ex- exemption and, and different things that they could, they could... We're building a church knowing that Jesus is the one building his church. And we, we're not going to live in fear of it. We're, I know Pastor Rob, he's, he leads us to steward really, really well that no matter what happens, River Valley is positioned in strength, but also positioned in great faith. Like we're not hoarding, we're not holding back. We're not, um, uh, building a, like, uh, a storehouse that would be like a hoarding storehouse. It's there, there are reserves and there's wisdom and savings, uh, but it's a take ground and it's an advancement of the kingdom. And, you know, let's say we are on that trajectory and that happens. Well, that should give us more urgency to reach more people as fast as possible. And also, um, to be honest, this is kind of in line with, with Dick's message this weekend. There is this element of, what are we living for? We can pray for perfect, a perfect climate for the church to to be accepted, to be blessed. That that you know our nation b- built on Christian values, and we get back to Christian values, and the Word of God is the highest authority in the land. That's cool. We'll pray for that, and that's a good thing. But 
that's not always where the church is growing the fastest and where the church is growing the fastest is in the most persecuted parts of the world. That's not my desire to be persecuted. That's not my desire for America. But I've got great faith that no matter what happens, whether it's the Bible is the highest authority in the land or the church of Jesus Christ is is going to be persecuted now more than ever in America, uh, all good. I believe the church is going to grow. And I believe uh, the church of Jesus Christ is going to grow, that people are going to be added to the kingdom of God either way. And sometimes in persecution, it grows faster. Yeah, it 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 jumps back to the question about salvation, right? And, and, you know, Mike asked, what is being done to prepare? I think there's two sides of that. What's being done to prepare as a church? And then what can we do to prepare as an individual, right? And as a church, I think what you're saying is we're going to do, do the diligence that we have, but I don't think there's a massive amount of things to prepare for the unknown in terms of as a body and as an organization. Again, being being smart, making good decisions, but the mission hasn't changed from 2,000 years ago. And, you know, Dick talked about in his message that there are people who've only have known persecution, who've only known struggle, yep. who've only known poverty, and yet they know Jesus in a way that we never will. But in the same way, God put us here for a reason, right? If yeah. we believe that God created us and put us on this earth in the place that we are in America for many who are listening, that there is a reason we're here. There's a yeah. reason we were born into this prosperity. And so with that, we are stewards of it. And so I think it's the tension that people are feeling is what we have here is good and it's getting better compared to some of the other places around the world. But I think you have to look at the example of, of scripture is that it was illegal to be Christians, not only as a Jew, there were Jews fighting against them, but then there was the Romans fighting against yeah. them. So there was a lot of resistance at the time. But then even nowadays in modern times, there are countries all over the world where it's illegal to be a Christian. Now, does it grow immediately? No. But over time, again, Jesus is building his church. He's He's revealing it to people. And so I just think that for, for us as individuals, we should prepare, know the word, be in our in our in the word of god be in our prayer be building a community of of faith yep. be protecting our children doing those things and uh we'll we'll see it revealed to us over time what happens in our country but i think that it's preparing ourselves and our heart and being in tune with the holy spirit is the best thing that we can do because we don't know what's happening yeah it it makes me think of last week the star tribune uh, posted an article about our Maple Grove campus. We pur- we purchased land. The Maple Grove campus is now raising dollars to get a building going because the campus is uh, really strong, really healthy, continuing to grow. And it was a factual article, so it wasn't like a hit piece or anything no, like just that. Just just fact. facts. Uh, but uh, in the comments of that article online, it was crazy pushback, tons of pushback and hate towards mega churches, churches in general, like what benefit do they even provide? They don't pay taxes. Like, like the comments were like unending. And Pastor Rob sent that article to the campus pastors and said, we are exactly where we're supposed to be. This is our mission field. And let's continue to build what we're building and continue to send missionaries around the world. Like he's like it's a bummer and I don't mean energized in a, in a, in a bad way, but he's, he's energized and motivated. Like, what are we doing here? We're, we're not here to just sing Kumbaya with all the Christians, although praise God for communities that have a ton of believers. We are here to be light in the dark and, 
moving forward. Yeah, what's interesting to me about that topic, and I'm sure people who are listening have got that question from maybe a coworker or a family member who's hesitant towards church. I saw a few comments that said a 600 seat auditorium isn't that big. I mean, like in concordance to, I mean, churches. Yeah. So I thought that was funny. Um, but a lot of this conversation around taxes, and I was processing this this morning with some of our team. And logistically, what you'd have to do, which, which, by the way, it's funny that probably half the people that are commenting don't pay taxes either, but that's a different question. Um, (laughs) But even as a church, like logistically in America, if they were to remove the tax-exempt status from churches, that would most likely mean they have to remove it for charities or at least all religions. And But then... That would mean you'd have to change people's individual contributions to charity because otherwise the church would just be made of individuals that are donating to a charity. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the implications of that proposal, again, we're grateful for the benefit that the government says you do more good for our society yeah. than the taxes that we could ask you for. Yeah. And so because of that, we're not going to tax you. That's why one of the reasons why, you know, taxes, 501c3s are, are not taxed in, in most cases. So it's just funny to where sometimes people get riled up about those things, but then you actually go to the solutions. And again, maybe it's people at work or family or even people in the comments on the article. And I would just encourage those who are, who are reading it to realize that there's a lot of logistics that go on there, but it's a hard issue, right? It's people are, they're against God, they're against the church. You know, are there ways we could handle things better? Always. We we try to be the best stewards possible, but it's like one person's comment, which is so funny to me, but they said this, this church on their website says their mission is to give as much money away as missionaries and send 500 missionaries and help their network train their churches to give away a billion dollars every year. See, they don't care about our community. They just want to give it to the rest of the world. You're like, oh my goodness. So the world doesn't understand. The Bible says that they're confused. And it's it's exactly what we believe God's asking us to do is not to fatten ourselves, like you said, to hoard the money, but to give it away. Yeah. I, I was also just processing this and I I truly believe churches are absolutely crucial to the well-being of any community. And I was just writing down some thoughts. These sacred institutions go far beyond religious gatherings. They're transformative powerhouses, bringing salvation, healing, restoration to individuals and a society as a whole. Churches are epicenters of hope and positive change through teaching, guidance. People are saved, transformed, given purpose. Uh, It doesn't stop there. They actively engage in compassionate outreach, which we do, providing support to the sick, counseling to the troubled, practical assistance to those in need. Impact uh, The impact reverberates beyond their walls as they mobilize volunteers. We're going to do that on serve day and during seek week, organize community service projects and contribute to overall welfare of cities. And let's list churches play a vital role in strengthening families. Uh, there's an attack on the family today, uh, re- reducing societal issues. They offer premarital counseling, marital guidance, family-focused programs, uh, restore the broken relationships, promote, promote stable homes, instilling values of responsibility, moral development. It goes on and on and on. But a, a, a Bible-believing church that proclaims the name of Jesus above any other name, especially churches that are spirit-filled, should be making massive impact that you could right. never calculate. And so, um, yeah, those are my thoughts. Sorry, that got long-winded. No, that was good. It's true. Another question we get, a lot of these are on the same theme, but there's there's two more questions here. 
that I want to get to. One of them asked about the 500, which we mentioned a couple yeah. of times here. But can you explain what the 500 is and, and specifically MAP? We've used that acronym before. Yeah, great. So uh, I do believe the New Testament church is not just a... Uh, what, what we see in the book of Acts is not just churches that see people saved and they also just stay in their community. Uh, uh, a New Testament church is a mission-sending church. So people are going to get saved, transformed, they're going to be discipled up, and pe- people are going to be sent out as missionaries. So we have this goal to send 500 missionaries. The way that we qualify that, uh, you know, to be a part of the 500 is that you are going um, outside of our country. Uh, you can be a missionary locally. Uh, there are, you know, Chi Alpha missionaries, there are college ministries. There, there, there's a bunch of different missions organizations here in the States and other countries will send missionaries to America, believe it or not. Yep. But for our church, the way we're calculating 500 is to send them from our nation to another nation. And we're trying to promote unreached areas of the world. So unreached is defined as where the gospel has not yet been. Uh, There are thousands of people groups across the world that have not heard the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior proclaim the gospel message. So that's what we're trying to do. To be a part of the 500, you have to do that for a year or longer. To commit a year of your life pray about a lifetime. That's the language we use to go around the world to proclaim the good news of Jesus. The map, the missionary action plan is like a two-year program. If you kind of did everything through, you can expedite that process or you could chew on it a little bit longer, but it's roughly about a two-year program to get a better understanding of the call of God that's on your life to explore that. So this is not if you've already made the decision, this is, I, I do feel, a, I, I have a heart tug. I, I, there's an inkling. Uh, there's this feeling that I have. I want to explore more of what it means to be a missionary. I have a million questions. The map is for you. That it, it, You're a perfect candidate for that. But it's to, to understand the scriptures, God's heart for the world. It's to connect you with resources, great books, resources, to meet other missionaries through Zoom calls and through different connects, to have an advocate, somebody that helps you one-on-one walk through the map. And so they kind of help you walk through answering those questions and to eventually connect you with a sending agency like Live Dead is a sending agency. So who Dick uh, represents, Live Dead is a great sending agency, Uh, Convoy of Hope, a great sending agency, AGWM sending agency. So there are many sending agencies that we connect R500 to that they now have what is their mission. That might be church planting. It might be water wells and gospel pr- proclamation. It might be orphanages. It might be, there, There's a bunch of different things you can do as a missionary around the world. It might be to start a business, and that gains you access to the country. But that's, that's what the map is. That's what the 500 is. And if you are listening saying, that might be me, you can text the 500 to the number 94,000, the 500, to the number 94,000 and just digitally get connected to the map. Yeah, we got a, a Slack message today from Global Team that's out right now. And one of our youth pastors sent that a number of the the students that were on that Global Team felt called to be a part of the 500, which is amazing. That's awesome. And uh, obviously Dick's message, if you didn't watch it or if you were there, you, you see at the end where he shares you can be a prayer warrior yep. to pray for those who are out in the hard to reach race, hard to reach places, yep, yep. and then to be a kingdom builder, to give, to support uh, missionaries and missions organizations. We as a church, we tithe on our tithes. So we give the first 10% of the tithe that we receive 
that ordinarily takes care of that the local church, we give that first ten percent away to missionaries as well. And then lastly is to pray about being a part of that. So I love yeah. love the way he he ended that message. And if you uh, haven't listened to the message, you can just go down right on the podcast here and just listen to it, or you can check it out on the YouTube channel. Uh, the final question that we have, and then I want to get to prayer requests, uh, yeah. was from let's see, I think it was. A. Johns, 1203, would River Valley ever consider starting a school for kids to invest and raise up? We're a young family in the church, don't want to send our kids to public school. I think it'd be amazing if River Valley created an option for a lot of young families in the position. We have gotten that question a ton over the last couple of years. What's the answer on it? (laughs) Yeah, what's up This is, it's definitely been an area of prayer and an area of passion. Uh, just to be clear, I I truly believe from Pastor Rob's perspective, he he is for parents making a decision for their children. Uh, some of the best advice I ever got was take it year by year, child by child. And so you're seeing what's happening in culture. You're you're the one raising your child. And each school year is a great time to reassess what's the best move for my kid. So we would support any parent that wants to put their kid through a homeschool curriculum. We, we are for homeschooling and homeschool co-ops so that you don't have to do it alone. There are many curriculums um, that we could help connect you to that are Christ-centered homeschool curriculums. We are for that. We are also for parents deciding for their children to go to private Christian school. And if that's, you're in a position to be able to do that, uh, we're, we're for that. And, and, it's a way longer conversation just about where should my kids go. Uh, I w- just also need to say we're for parents looking at what's happening in the world, carrying the weight of discipling their children and saying, I I want my kid to learn how to be light in the dark. And so I'm going to send them to public school. We're, we're for that as well because it's the parent's choice. I believe God is strong enough to protect your child in the public school and to empower them by the Holy Spirit to be a light in the dark. That being said, there are many parents choosing to pull their kids from public school and to reassess saying, I want them to be a light in the dark. They have a better chance of doing that from 18 to 88 if we get them the right foundation at a young age, and that foundation is not just done in the home, but also partnered with the person that might spend more time with my child than me during the school year, uh, and because nighttime we're sleeping, and so it, like the teacher and the school system is spending more time with my child than me, I want to get them into a Christian, uh, private Christian school. Hey, we're, we're for that as well. So River Valley, like, what are we doing? We we are praying through what is what's our plan and what's our path. We do partner with homeschool co-ops, and we have opened our buildings in the past to homeschool co-ops to be able to use our buildings for classroom work and being able to gather and get together. And so if, if that's you, if you're leading one of those co-ops, we would love to hear from you. If there's a way that we can support your co-op and what you're doing, we, we want to see if we can help be a resource. Um, and then also we're, we're trying to figure out, is there a partner Christian school? So we are connected just in the twin cities. If you're listening, we're, we're connected with, with, uh, Northwest or, connected with Southwest. We're connected with United Christian. We're connected with uh, uh, um, CHA. 
as well, uh, which is that where you went in yeah. elementary school? Yeah. Uh, so you you went private Christian to elementary and then public yeah. in high school? Uh, yeah, in middle school for me, Connor for high school. I, I think I, I don't have kids yet, but uh, obviously was a byproduct of this. I, I, I won't share too much more because you shared a ton of great thoughts, but our kids are not an experiment for us to hope for, right? And so I think we would say, regardless of the choice that you make as parents, which of course we believe is your decision to make as, as a follower of Christ and as a leader of your family, active, being active in, in that process is so important. So I think that's very intentional, but not to just hope that the teachers get it right or just hope that they're, they're not being misled. We've had too many parents that have come and shared just horrifying things that their kids have been uh, believing about themselves, right? And, and the truth is that the younger a child is, the more malleable they are and the more important it is. I've, I've had many people in the congregation come up to me and ask me similar, what, what did you do and what would you recommend? For us, we did private school. For me, it was uh, kindergarten through fifth grade. And then I went to, to public school in, in Lakeville. And for Connor, he, he jumped out in eighth grade into, into the, uh, like middle school going into high school. I think what we noticed was transitioning at a point when other kids are transitioning is helpful. So I had a better transition than Connor did because I went into school in a normal time, right? Where multiple schools are joining together already. So it didn't feel like, oh, you're that private school kid. Whereas Connor joining in eighth grade, it was a little bit disjointed for him. So I think if you do make that transition, I would recommend making it at a time that normal, like the public schools are transitioning already. Um, But I think for me, I knew Spanish a lot better than my classmates because we had Spanish at the Christian school. And then I had a foundation of biblical principles and I was learning it in school and learning it there. So to me, obviously it's, oh, you advocate for what you did in some ways, right? But I feel like it it prepared me really well. But then on the other side, I I had friends that were homeschooled that they don't follow Jesus anymore. Yeah. And so the, it, it's not it's not a perfect example of what I did, but I do think that it's where they're not an experiment. They're your family that, that God has, has asked you to lead and take care of. So taking it seriously and being active. Yeah, as a parent, don't make a decision in fear. God is powerful enough to protect your child, whatever you decide. So make it in faith, make a decision in faith. And if you want to get them set up on a right biblical foundation and partner with a private Christian school to do that or to homeschool them, hey, that's good. Um, as far as what River Valley's doing, I, I don't want to ever speak for Pastor Rob as our lead, lead pastor. He's got the vision and, and where we're headed. But I pr- it's pretty safe to say, Logan, you could disagree, but it's pretty safe to say that we would be for any idea that helps multiply homeschool co-ops exponentially. We would be for any idea um, in regards to how to better resource parents that are sending their kids to public school, how, how to help them disciple their child and uh, yeah, just really be a, a better support system. But then we are not close to the idea of partnering with a current Christian school, helping them maybe add uh, at a location or near our locations or um or even the idea of River Valley starting a private Christian school. All of that is on the table. And uh, when Pastor Rob teaches a message like protect the children, you, you better believe he is praying through that. And there's probably more vision coming to how we raise 
uh, boys to become men of God, girls to become women of God. Yeah. Yeah. Our mission is to lead people into an authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think he would say, and maybe we'll have him on to chat about this more too, that anything we can do to help more people in our community, as well as the unreached nations to live that authentic life-changing relationship, we're going we're gonna to listen and we're going to do that to the best that we can to steward the gifts and resources that God has, has given us. And so I, I'd love to, to pray for people as, as we close, and I'm just going to read a few, a few prayer requests. These are from the app. Where, where can people submit their prayer requests? They can do it on the app or they can email prayer or valley. Otherwise, we, we look at the Connect cards too and say, hey, if, if there's prayer requests from these Connect cards each week, we're, we're praying for them. Obviously, if your name's on it, we can mention your first name. If it's not, you know, we won't, we, we won't share last names when it comes to prayer just because unless you specify, please do. Uh, but we just want to be praying for people. Um, but Matthew's praying for his friend Steve. Uh, he's separated from his wife, trending towards divorce, and has lost his faith, praying, praying for, for Steve. Um, Tom's praying for a recovery from a motorcycle accident. He's he's taking pain medications, but doesn't want to get addicted. Right? These are real needs. Um, Laura says prayer for my marriage, praying the Lord would help us go deeper. Um, and her son and girlfriend that are not walking with the Lord, praying for a renewed heart for them. Uh, Susan said just feeling overwhelmed, anxious about a lot of things, need peace and clarity right now. Uh, Marianne, her dad is sick and in the hospital. Um, prayers that I I break in addiction as well. I mean, multiple things, and just just a lot. My special needs son Nancy said Jacob was extremely violent again tonight for no reason. Pray for our, pray for our safety and his that the Lord heals his brain. And so yes. there's just I mean there's so many more that are represented at these campuses, but I think these are some of the needs that represent the hundreds and thousands of needs just from our church. Yeah, and just a quick praise report. I was I was at Maple Grove this weekend, and there was a, a you know Maple Grove is our one set up teardown campus until Chaska launches, and so they got an early call time on Sunday mornings. And so I was at Starbucks with that team at five thirty on Sunday morning, and there there's a father and a son serving on the setup team, and you know I I don't know the full background and story, but. I was inspired by this father and this this young adult son serving together, getting up super early, helping set up church. And I got to believe that that is an answer to prayer, that this son is loving the Lord in church and this father still has the energy to get up out of bed and to continue leading by example. And they get to do it together. Who would have thought that they'd be building church together, quite literally, setting up pipe and drape, staging, getting all the signage, unloading trailer, doing all of this. And so I just love that as a multi-generational praise report that we've got fathers and sons serving in the church together, building church together. We've got fathers and daughters. We've got mothers and sons, mothers and daughters. We've got grandparents serving with grandchildren. Across our campuses, there's a multi-generational praise report that we are not just a next generation church. Healthy next generation church is a multi-generational church. It's an older generation saying, I'm excited to see the next generation be on fire for Jesus Christ. That's what we have here and we're continuing to build on that. And so uh, let's pray together over these needs and continue to praise yeah. the Lord. And then we'll, we'll jump into a song. We'll end with a song from ages. Take your time. And if you're listening on 1.5 or two times speed, turn it down to one. So you get the oh, yeah, song. Adjustment. <laughs> and, yeah. And then let's end in prayer and listen to this.
Lord, we thank you for this time together, what you're doing in our church. We just praise you that your presence is here. And when I say here, I mean with every single person listening. Lord, we thank you that you are with them. You see them. You know all of their needs. You know every need in our church, including the ones that Pastor Logan just read here on this episode. We just pray for healing in Jesus' name. When we pray for healing, we ask that you would send it from heaven to earth. Healing is in heaven. It is waiting for us. It's waiting for each person that's in need. And we have the authority to ask in Jesus' name that you would send it right now. And so I just pray that there would be testimonies on the other side of this prayer right now that people are being healed, Lord, over the relational issues, over the the fear issues, over the potential addiction issues. prayer requests, Lord. I just pray that you would build in faith in people that they are more than conquerors, that greater are you that is in them than than he that is in the world. Lord, you are in them. You are stronger. Holy Spirit, have your way in each life. Have your way in each prayer request. We ask that you would meet needs. We believe in the power of prayer, not because of the length of the prayer, not because of the volume of prayer, not because of who is praying, but because God, you are an all-powerful and good God, and you're able to answer prayer. So do it right now. We praise you for the miracles that are happening in our church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. It must feel like I say sorry every day. But this time I promise you will make a change And we're running around in circles Choosing proud about my issues Knowing now, oh Lord my God, I pray Take your time on me Wash and make me clean Everything I'm Stop and reach your hand out every time For this bottle of emotion On a vast and wild ocean But maybe that's the very God I praise So take your time on me Wash and make me
Wash and make me clean Everything unseen I made a mess of things So from the inside out Lord, I lay me down Jesus, help me look like you I just want